You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Okay, welcome back to Real Presence Live. Your hosts for this segment are myself, Jack Kennelly, and my wife, Doreen. And uh, we are going to be talking with uh, Ben and Janine Seitz, who are with us in the studio here in Fargo. And they're going to tell us about a five-year journey that they, uh, can we say it's completed or we say it's just about completed? Just about completed. Okay, well, um, why don't you just uh, start off? I mean, Ben has been on with us a couple of months ago talking about the uh, Fishers of Men, and uh, I hope that's going well, and hopefully we'll have you on again sometime in the future. You can tell us more about it, but uh, right now... Why don't you tell us about yourselves and, you know, uh, your purpose for being with us today? Terrific. Well, I'll just start off with a little bit of a background. Um, I was born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was uh, raised Catholic, good Catholic family, and attended uh, Catholic schools from K through 12. Um, back in 1984, then I left St. Paul and joined the Air Force. And I was born and raised in Southern California um, with no religion. My dad had been raised Seventh-day Adventist, and um, my mother, I think, Baptist, but my grandfather, her father, was Catholic. And I joined the military. So after basic training, Janine and I met up. Uh, We were stationed at Lowry Air Force Base in Denver, Colorado together, and... uh, Gosh, I just, uh, I saw her blonde hair, blue eyes. It was just this cute little pagan girl. I fell in love with her. <laughs> and uh, so we dated for a while. She started coming to Mass with me. And then one day I said to her, uh, you know, you ever thought about being Catholic? And she said, I always wanted to be a Catholic. So that was like the toughest conversion story uh, ever. <laughs> uh, I'm going to write a book about it. And it might take up uh, half a sheet of paper, I think. Perfect follow-up for Stella's presentation (laughs) on evangelization. Just ask. Yeah, just ask. Sometimes that's all it takes. Amen. (laughs) Anyhow, after that, we, uh, through God's providence, we both ended up getting an assignment to REF Lakenheath in Great Britain for our first assignment. And uh, that's where we got married and and Janine. I uh, went through RCIA there um, with a couple of wonderful priests, um, one who we're still friends with to this day. Um, and I started learning more and more about the faith, and the more I learned, the more I figured out it was me a lifelong journey of learning. Yeah. So we spent the next 23 years uh, in an Air Force family, traveling the world, um, and growing deeper and deeper and deeper in our faith. We moved to Fargo, North Dakota, in uh, 2008, after I'd retired from the Air Force, and uh, currently we're um, out at St. Santa Joe Comparis here in Fargo. That's an interesting after traveling the world and seeing all these other wonderful places in the world, you end up here in Fargo. Absolutely. It's a wonderful diocese. Yeah. Well, as Milton says in Paradise Lost, the mind is its own place and of itself can make a hell of heaven or a heaven of hell. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Yes. Welcome to Fargo. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned something about a five-year journey and where that... Uh, so, yes, we are on a five-year journey. Janine and I, um, well, I entered the uh, Diaconate forma- Formation Program uh, five years ago. Um, but actually, I entered the uh, program probably 10 years ago. Uh, 
Went through uh, three years of the Education for Parish Services, the old program that they, the diocese offered, EPS. Did that for three years and was just, uh, it just lit a fire under me to learn more about my faith, learn more about uh, the church. And uh, uh, so it's been a great, a great journey. Okay, great. I'm glad when you said the 10 years was because you had extended it because of EDS, and it wasn't a matter of just you're a slow learner. Oh, no, like I am that. slow. And I think that's why God had me go through most of the material twice, because he knows I'm pretty simple-minded. But isn't it true that the more you learn, the more you want to learn? Because it's just such a rich and deep well that the Catholic Church offers. Yeah, when I think of all the misunderstandings about the Catholic faith, you know, and then when you learn about it, it's like it just makes sense. And it's not, it's not what you hear or see in, 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 you know, from secular sources. Yeah, I found that yes. when you question things about your faith uh, and you actually dig in and try to find the answer, that it actually makes you stronger as a Catholic because mm-hmm. you go, oh, okay, they've already thought about this and that's mm-hmm. the answer. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little more about the, the Deacon program. Well, yeah, it is a five-year program, and so it's th- about 13 weekends per year. So for those of you doing, um, keeping score at home, that's 65 weekends over a uh, five-year period. And that's for both you and Janine. Yes. yes. Yeah, we both, we both sit through the classes. starts on a Friday night, and it goes through Sunday afternoon. Um, and then uh, it's a combination of scholastic, spiritual, pastoral, and uh, personal and marriage development that we go through during those weekends. Uh, classes really enjoyed sacred scripture, philosophy, um, history of Christendom, Sacramental theology, social justice, and my favorite class, which was dogmatic <laughs> theology. I was going to ask you, which who was one I taught? <laughs> I was going to ask who taught that. Yeah, that was Jack. Yeah. He did a great job and great book. Uh, great book is part of that class, too. Really mm-hmm. uh, uh, takes dogmatic theology and puts it at my level, which is... Uh, well, it put it at my level as well. So yeah. I, was, I was learning along with the class on that one. In a nutshell, maybe one of you could... Tell our listeners what's what is dogmatic theology. I think the average Catholic might not have a definition for that. Dogmatic theology kind of uh, digs into the dogma, or what you know, what we believe, what the Catholic Church teaches, um, and it just gets into uh, to you know who is God, uh, who who are the Trinity, and helps you to understand all those basic things so that. Uh, you know, when you come on the radio, you can explain that stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> so the essential truths of our the faith. Essential there we go. Of the essential truths of the faith. Well yeah. stated, yeah. 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 I used to teach religion. All right. Yeah, one of your daughters. We used to your daughter. Well, there's all sorts of different theologies, but uh, that's kind of the basics. Yeah. Um, for me, it, uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience over five years. I wasn't sure how I was going to enjoy spending all this time. But the friendships I made with the other wives are just wonderful. Um, Before the men did their canonicals, we got together over Zoom and prayed the rosary together. Before they went on retreat, we we got on Zoom and prayed the rosary. And we pray for each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Were you praying when you didn't have to take their final exams? Were you praying for them who were in the classroom still grinding away? Well, before we actually started class, I started praying that I wouldn't have to do all those exams, and God answered. <laughs> yeah, what, got, was his answer? what was his it, answer? No, you do not have to take those exams. Yeah, they got to audit the course. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, um, where's this all leading, Ben? Well, it leads to ordination. Uh, myself and uh, seven other 
Um, ordinand will be ordained on Saturday, October 31st, here at uh, the Cathedral of St. Mary in Fargo, uh, 10 a.m. It's going to be, uh, uh, because of COVID, the uh, uh, space in there is, is very limited, but it's going to be broadcast via the, uh, the website as well. So people can log into the uh, diocesan website and watch if they would wish to. May I interrupt you? Um, for our listeners, if you've never been at any kind of a, an ordination, uh, we really highly recommend that you do tune in because it is the most beautiful um, liturgy, you know, with that, you know, sacrament added to it, the sacrament of holy orders. It is, it is, it's worth taking the time to either participate, I mean, view whether you can be present or not. Absolutely. We were not familiar with it at all until our son Eric um, got into uh, uh, formation to be a priest. And uh, so the first one that we went to was uh, when he first became a seminarian. And it was just eye-opening. And you're right, the, the beauty, the true beauty of the, uh, uh, of the liturgy. It's just incredible. Okay, so you have ordination coming up. Yes. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, after that, uh, you know, what? you have a day job. Yes. So what do deacons do? Well, it's quite a variety. Actually, we, I'm going to do whatever Father Dukesher, who was just on here, tells me to do. He's my pastor. Um, but we're basically the uh, bishop. We work for the bishop directly, but he generally assigns us to the parish that we come from. That can ch- be different, but generally speaking, that's how that works. And so we're involved in, uh, in liturgies. Uh, oftentimes you'll see the deacon there. Deacon's role is, uh, um, I mean, they were originally called to serve at table. And so that's, for that reason, you'll see the deacons uh, wear a dalmatic. A dalmatic actually has sleeves on it as compared to the priest. Uh, who doesn't have sleeves, and that's so we can roll up our sleeves and uh, uh, and do the work, and that's what we're called to do. So that work starts off with proclaiming the gospel. Uh, some deacons are teachers, uh, they're chaplains at nursing homes, um, just work within the parish, um, prison ministry. They're just a, a wide variety of things where deacons, because they're out in the community, can do things that priests can't and uh, lead, lead the, uh, the faithful in that way. Mm-hmm. So sacramentally, what can deacons do? Or, or... Yeah, the, uh, uh, so deacons are able to uh, witness marriages that are outside of, the, uh, uh, outside of a mass. They're able to baptize. Um, and they also can... Uh, uh, Preach. They can impart blessings. Impart yep. blessings, absolutely. They also, uh, by preaching the gospel at masses, they also do homilies. So you might see deacons uh, from time to time uh, preaching homilies during Masses. And for any of our non-Catholic listeners, you mentioned the vestments. You know, the Dalmatic is one thing, which has sleeves as opposed to what the priest wears, which is just uh, chasuble. a chasuble. And also you've got the stole, which you wear uh, over one shoulder. And so for our non-Catholic friends, when you're attending a, a Mass or a wedding or something like that, you can tell who the deacons are by what they are wearing. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I know we're, we're coming up on a break in about a minute, so uh, uh, I think we'll, um, well, I'm not sure where we're going to go with that. I'm just kind of, my vocabulary is failing me. I'm not a David Anders here. <laughs> I know just deacon at Mass, when the deacon is present, um, when the priest elevates the sacred species, the deacon is holding the chalice. 
is there, you know, a theology behind that, or does that go with, you know, rolling up your sleeves and serving? I'm not 100% sure of that. It's a good question, uh, but uh, uh, it's something I'll have to look yeah. into. Okay, okay, we'll think about it over the break. We've got a break coming up here, but we want our listeners to stay tuned, because when we get back, we're going to talk about a uh, little bit about uh, how uh, Ben and Janine first got interested in this, in the diaconate program. And so uh, with that, uh, Therese, take it away. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. It's a great time to spring into summer at Riverview Senior Living Community in Fargo. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director. We are currently accepting new independent and assisted living residents. Riverview provides a safe, comfortable place to live with a small-town Main Street feel with home-cooked food, a la carte care services, daily activities, and mass five days a week. You can contact Marin or Katie to find out about all that Riverview has to offer at 701-237-4700 or at homeishere.org. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain, we've all experienced loss, especially the death of someone we love. And it's never harder than it is with suicide. In our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and for You, we want to be able to help you. We know that the pain and suffering is great, but we also know that we, we can get through it. So please visit suicideandhope.com to learn more. Thank you. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We're talking with Ben and Janine Seitz about the diaconate program. And uh, my name is Jack Kennelly, and uh, with me is my wife, Dreen, and we are your hosts. And we're glad to have you with us, and we're going to... Continue our discussion with uh, Ben and Janine, and I think uh, maybe we can start it out, kind of going back uh, a little bit, and you know, how is it uh, that you first became interested in the diaconate? Well, I would say, uh, kind of going back, uh, uh, you know, I was in the Air Force and uh, had a hardship tour, a two-year tour in Norway. And when we arrived in Norway, we're, yeah, it was tough. We're feeling your pain. We lived in the city of Stavanger, Norway, which is a city of about 100,000 people. It's right on the North Sea. And uh, 
went to church. There was only one Catholic church in town, and they only had one English mass, because obviously if you're in Norway, people speak Norwegian. And so we started going to that Mass, and I noticed right away that the priest was having to direct the altar service constantly on what to do and where to go and do all this stuff. And so after a couple weeks, it was kind of a distraction. I went up to Father Rolf Bowitz, and I said, uh, Father Rolf, you know, I introduced myself. Um, Would you like me to train the altar service? And his eyes lit up, and he said yes. And uh, I went the following week. I met with the associate pastor there. I figured we'd have about a half-hour meeting there, and he'd tell me what he wanted me to write up in a little guidebook for the servers there, and we would uh, I'd do the training, bada-bing, bada-boom, it would be done. Um, ended up being a three-hour meeting because the pastor, Father Rolf, really wanted it to have all the bells and whistles. We were going to have uh, the incense and the bells and six servers, and it was just going to be done right. So uh, that's what we did. And so for the first few weeks, I was up there with the servers, had on the uh, uh, cassock and the, uh, uh, the server out, uh, gar- garments there. And uh, um, after a while, I felt like the servers had this down and we, we could uh, move on without me. And so I went up to him and I said, Father Rolf, I, th- I think they got it. I'm just going to go and start sitting uh, with my wife now during Mass. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, I like having you up there. So that was really where I started to uh, become really involved in the liturgy, being up on the altar, and I started to have that sense of maybe God was calling me to uh, something more than, than what we had been doing. I think Father Rolf was reeling you in a little bit there, maybe. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, as I'm listening to you, it's making me think about how this, this young man from the United States goes over to Norway, a foreign country, but the the church is universal, and you can offer to train the altar servers, knowing that the Mass is the Mass is the Mass. That's very cool. Yes. Absolutely. The reason the uh, Catholic Church is so small, by the way, in Norway, is it was actually illegal in Norway for uh, Catholic to be Catholic until the 1950s. So, uh, kind of recent. Oh, they finally yeah. came around. Yeah. <laughs> came back. Yeah, they yeah. came back, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so after that, uh, you know, just since then, um, kind of been kind of listening to that voice of God, and, and uh, um, God's call comes to all of us in different ways uh, and, and different shapes and sizes. Um, not everyone has a mountaintop experience. Um, like Isaiah, I did have the experience of an angel coming from heaven and, and with a uh, tong, with a... Uh, um, <laughs> With a burning coal? With a burning coal, and he touched my lips, and that was how that went down, but not really. That's Mm -hmm. not how that happened. Um, Now you get to go to confession. (laughs) Much more subtle uh, was my call, and uh, uh, just going through the formation process, it really helps to uh, uh, the team there, the formation team. We we have uh, uh, retreats that we go to every year and just meet with that team. It's called tutoring. Uh, um, on every one of our weekends, and they help us to uh, discern uh, whether or not God is really calling us to be deacons. So it's not like uh, you're going to go into the formation and you're going to come out the other end a deacon. Part of the formation process is actually um, determining whether or not you truly are being called to be a deacon. Was there a point... I mean, did you kind of question it yourself at any time, or were you kind of pretty much sure... Uh, from the beginning when you, you know, entered the program? I think I, I haven't had a lot, uh, many 
many doubts about it. Uh-huh. Um, there's sometimes I was doing, you know, some of the assignments and such, and I was like, wow, do I really, am I really called to this? Do I really need to do this paper? Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, yeah, I, I think I am, so I should probably just finish Jack's homework here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. First of all homeworks, of course. And there has never been any doubt that if God is calling Ben or any of the other men that were in class to be a deacon, that they would be good deacons. Right. You're all wonderful, prayerful, serious about their faith men. At what point were you told by Ben that I'm going to go into the diaconate program and you're going to come with me? Well, he joined Education Preparer Service. Right. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And after a year, I said, oh, I think he's serious about discerning this call. And I joined him. And after that, and he said, wherever you go, I will go. Good answer. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's yeah. a perfect response. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so there was no, like, you're making me do what? <laughs> the, no. 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 I would imagine it's, you know, it's been, uh, you know, tough because, you know, he had to go to the classes and probably had to prepare for them a little bit as well. And it really uh, speaks to the what the sacrament of matrimony is, too. Really, we the two become one. And, of course, you would really continue on that journey that call, God is calling your spouse well, to. Right. Matrimony comes first. So mm-hmm. if the wife is not attending and on board with the husband, how can she know that she can handle him being called for part of their marriage away without being there with him, yeah. walking with him on the journey. Right. And, and that's really part of the deacon training, too, is it not, that your marriage comes first? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you know, I could see where it could be, uh, you know, difficult because the two are going to conflict. Sure. You know, I, I'm not saying conflict in a bad way. I mean, you know, scheduling and things like that and your responsibilities as a husband and father and your responsibilities as a, as a deacon. Yeah. And there's a lot of graces that flow in that formation process, you know, into our marriage. We, we learned a lot just through some of the, uh, uh, the classes that we took. There was a class on temperaments that I really enjoyed, and we learned a lot about how, how our different temperaments uh, cause, uh, you know, how those work together or don't work together, and that helped us. Mm-hmm. But yeah. just talking about uh, graces, i got to share this with you. So uh, I've always enjoyed fishing, you know, and... and uh, so when the kids were little, you don't really fish when you got five little kids. All you're doing is untangling lines, baiting hooks, and then <laughs> taking the small sunfish off there and putting it back and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's not real fishing. Janine had absolutely no interest in that when, when the kids were growing up. So it was just me and the kids. But then when the kids were all grown up, all of a sudden, she becomes uh, the ultimate fisherwoman. And she's actually been uh, sighted at Fleet Farm all by herself in the, uh, in the tackle <laughs> department. <laughs> Eyeing things out. So it's been a real blessing for us just as the kids have grown and gone that now here's this new thing, this new interest we have together. And, and I think these are all graces that come, you know, from God for us as blessings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a, a practical and fun example sure. of, you know, a way in which, you know, you can continue right. to grow through. Right. And, and it has helped us grow because I think to myself, Janine, what kind of example are you setting as a wife, as a mother, as a Christian, it really has helped focus that for me to ask that question of myself more often. And it's been a, a big self-improvement for me 
which isn't right. It's a God improvement mm. of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A blessing, yeah. Yes. One last thing I'd like to talk about is just the uh, the impact that Mary has had on our family and uh, and on our vocation. Yeah, um, as you know, we're an Air Force family. Um, I had been in the military for a while, the Air Force, and, you know, children start coming along, and he stayed with it, and I didn't. He was gone. He was gone quite a bit, and I had uh, some friends in South Carolina that said, their kids were like, why don't you guys come over? We pray the rosary on Friday nights. So we started going. And uh, I didn't, I'm a convert. I didn't know how to pray the rosary. I knew about it. I think I'd prayed it once or twice. And we started praying. Well, you know, and then Ben comes home and he's like, my kids are praying the rosary. My wife's, and he's like, oh, where's my rosary beads? You know, and then the more I learned about Mary, the one most important thing I learned from Mary is do whatever he tells you. Like he told like she told them at the wedding feast of Cana, and I've been trying to incorporate that in my life. And, um, yeah, so that's been a real blessing in our life. Mary has. So if you don't know what God is calling you to do, just spend time with Mary. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. The, uh, uh, the, I, can't, I remember coming home and, uh, um, that night, and, and Janine's, or the kids saying, Dad, we're going over to the O'Berry's house to pray the rosary. And I was like, rosary? I've got one of those somewhere. <laughs> it's just, it's, it wasn't part of, you know, something that growing up sure. we did at funerals. Yep. But nobody mm-hmm. ever took the time to explain to me, you know, why we pray the rosary, that there's a meditation involved in it or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. Again, simple-minded guy um, who just wasn't intuitive to me. But that has just been a, uh, it was a catalyst. Uh, the rosary brought us to, uh, uh, to actually developing friendships with other Catholic families. A community within the Catholic Church. It's something we didn't have prior to that, our, our time in South Carolina. So that was 1997. And uh, just what a huge impact that had on us. We actually carried that Friday night rosary prayer group with us to uh, all of our other assignments. And up until about a year ago, was doing it right here in Fargo. So Mary's had a huge impact in our life and uh, uh, continue to uh, pray daily rosaries and uh, uh, look for that, her to intercede for us. Are there any other examples of how your diaconate formation has impacted your family, including your children? We talked about marriage, but uh, I mean, a healthy marriage is always a blessing to children. I think it's a blessing even to the adult children. Um, My children are all adults. Right now, it's just Ben and I in the house. Um, I think it has had a wide-ranging impact. do they call you Deacon Dad? Not yet. That's right. They, they still call me Senior Master Sergeant Dad. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> Go ahead, Jenny. I'm sorry I interrupted. But... That's all right. No, I just think um, my family isn't Catholic, and I have nieces and nephews who look up to, the, to Ben, our family, and they say, oh, this is a, a good way of life to lead they're a good example. I have um, my kids. I hope that they look up and look at us and say, see where we're going right and correct us when we're going wrong. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Okay. We're coming up on a break. But before that, I want to thank Ben and Janine for being our guests today. This has been a wonderful discussion about the diaconate. And uh, God bless you on your ordination. And thank you. God bless you on being the wife of a deacon. And, uh, We'll be curious to see if your kids will be calling you Deacon Dad or, 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 or whatever. But anyway, 
And for our listeners, you're listening to Real Presence Live, and we and hope you will stay with us beyond the break, and we'll be talking to uh, Roxanne Solonen, and she's been on the front lines to fight for the unborn, and stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 